You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live here on Friday. We are having a great show today. We've talked about the Eucharistic Revival. We've talked about the new parish hall here at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City. I'm Karen Gibas, along with... Father Brian Christensen. And we are behaving today, aren't we? What does that mean? What does is, what is not behaving look like? Usually, well, I don't know. People know. People know. They People listen. Know. People I mean, know. People know. Well, I mean, last Friday at the live drive, my parents did give a gift thanking you for putting up with me for an hour. There you go. There you go. No, no that, was, uh, that was fun last week at the live drive. There's always time to give. It right? is. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. And so much to give to, right? We have the parish hall. They can support and you give. support the parish hall. You can support the, our Catholic education in your local areas and here in Rapid City, of course, if you'd like to. Of course. Got lots of beautiful things going on uh, in the church. And I think, you know... Sometimes we don't see that. I mean, that those are the things that are not reported on, yeah. right? I mean, right. we see the bad news. We see the trauma. We see the uh, the difficulties in the world. The crisis. Local, the crises in our local communities and stuff like that. But every day, good people uh, across our listening area are doing beautiful things uh, for the Lord and for, for the world. Right. Uh, so. Well, I think we should change, switch gears. And so instead of talking about the cathedral... Let's what? branch out. We can out. always kind of talk Let's about the cathedral. Out. Who doesn't want to talk about well, the cathedral? Well, I think we should talk about Blessed Sacrament Church, too. Right? Of course. We're here with uh, Father Tim Hoig, pastor of uh, Blessed Sacrament. Good morning, Father Tim. Good morning, Father Brian. So good to have you with us. Father Tim is a judicial vicar for the Diocese of Rapid City, pastor of Blessed Sacrament uh, as well, but he is also heading up um, the diocesan strategic uh, process here called Flourishing Families. Welcome to the show, Father Tim. Thank you. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself uh, as priest and pastor and your responsibilities in the diocese right now. So uh, I've been ordained for, I'm, I think I'm going into my 27th year of priesthood. Uh, I'm pastor of Blessed Sacrament Parish over on the, the, the west side of the... The best side, the, right? The city, right? The blessed, the blessed side of Rapid blessed City. blessed side. Nice. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm also the judicial vicar for the diocese, uh, which means mostly I, I, I run the Dawson Marriage Tribunal, but also advise the bishop on matters of the law and do other Dawson activities. I'm a member of the Presbyterian Council, which is is what led to being the head of diocesan strategic planning on behalf of Bishop Peter. All right, diocesan strategic planning. Um, that means how do we close parishes across western South Dakota? Is that it right? It definitely does not mean that. Okay, so it doesn't mean <laughs> that. But that's what when people hear strategic planning, because strategic mm-hmm. plans have happened across the country. We've heard it years ago in larger dioceses where downtown communities are thinning out and the Catholic churches have been closing, I don't know, New York, Chicago, Baltimore. You can name different places. Um, how is this strategic plan different from what people have heard about uh, in recent decades? Um, you know, it is interesting. When you think of, when you use the word diocesan strategic planning, people think about their parish closing. That's kind of exactly the very mindset we're trying to change mm-hmm. and that people when they think about a diocesan, overall diocesan plan, their initial in, in temptation is to think about themselves and what's going to happen to them. 
And that's exactly what we're trying to change. We're trying to get parishes to think about how they can work together to change a disturbing trend. And the disturbing trend is that there's been a decline of over 18,000 registered Catholics in our diocese since 1979. Okay, wait. Repeat that number. So, a decline. There's been a decline of over 18,000 registered Catholics since 1979. Okay, so over the last 40-some-odd years. Right, and that... And that initial decline, when I was first ordained, I could say, yeah, well, of course, you know, I was a priest that preceded us, you know. But uh, since I've been ordained, over 13,000 Catholics, there's been a decline of over 13,000 since 1990. So what you're saying, this happened on your watch. Right. <laughs> and your watch, too. And my watch, I was going to say, this is not and, the only and, priest yeah, in the room. And, uh, uh, yeah, no, I think it is it is very interesting because, you know, we can play the blame game, uh, but that's not what we're here to be about. And so that's a, a decline of about 400 a year. Wow. 400 a year of registered Catholics of registered in Western Catholics South Dakota. Catholics in Western South Dakota. Now, certainly some of them are going to be to death and, and moving to other states or whatever, but still... Not the majority, probably. Yeah, you would think that the the thrust of the gospel and the living out of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel would generally increase the number of Catholics day after day, year after year. Right. <laughs> that would be the aim. Uh, I think that's the vision of Jesus. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but maybe it's because we, you know, I was thinking about today's gospel passage that Jesus calls us to love one another as he loves us, you know, to lay down our lives for the other, uh, is is that maybe, uh, maybe this decline is in part caused by what Pope Francis refers to when he talks about how the church has gotten caught up in a cycle of ministering to itself. Mm. And um, uh, not 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 looking out enough to see how others could benefit from sure. from our behavior. Talk about, just a, a little bit for our listeners across the Real Presence Radio uh, listening area, uh, what what was the initiative? What, what sparked, how did this generate into a strategic plan? How did this all begin? I guess probably initially we got a new bishop. And uh, one of the things our new bishop was in charge of in his former diocese as a member of the Presbyteral Council in his diocese was diocesan strategic planning. Okay. And so he kind of came with the mindset of, of um, we have to think about, we have to kind of rethink how we're going to work together to proclaim the gospel. Because he obviously saw some of these changes in, in the Diocese of Duluth. And um, uh, to kind of be... be um, uh, proactive in our diocese, he wanted to start get us to start thinking this way too. Now, the great thing is, many of us as priests and pastors were already starting to notice this, and we're already trying to think a brainstorm about how we're going to change these trends. And that's diocesan strategic planning, which we've the title for that is flourishing families. In part because Dawson strategic planning isn't very, uh, you know, attractive. Um, <laughs> it's not a very romantic, not a romantic thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it does, flourishing families is, is what we hope to, to do. We want to flourish. And to flourish, we're just saying that parishes uh, in, in de- you know, deanery, so our diocese is broken up into five different regions we call deaneries. And those deaneries have 
what are called clusters of, of parishes that are kind of linked together. And we'd like to change that, that way of thinking about it. Rather than to thinking of individual uh, parishes, uh, kind of islands unto themselves, just kind of randomly grouped together, we want parishes to start thinking of that collection of parishes that they belong to as a family. So, um, going back to kind of the vision, right, and the genesis of that um, strategic plan, which we're calling flourishing families, and we'll get we'll unpack that a little bit more. But tell me, you know, like the the aim of flourishing families, right? We've noticed decline. We want to reverse decline, and and start thinking in a different way, and so. Kind of go into that. Like, what's the change of mentality? What's the change of perspective? What's the change of heart, perhaps? Or the conversion that we need as, as parishioners uh, across Western South Dakota as we move forward? Okay, so uh, uh, diocese, uh, the, the flourishing families, we, we are going to, we want people to start thinking about how can, what's the strengths and weaknesses of our individual parish? What's the strengths and weaknesses of our neighboring parishes? And where we're strong, maybe one of our neighbors is weak. And where they're strong, maybe that appeals to one of our weaknesses. Maybe they have more musicians and cantors than we have, and maybe we can share some of those. Um, and and how, how are we going to start working together to um, proclaim the gospel in our, in our area? And so it, it is about how do how are we going to work together to uh, to give our members the courage to reach out to their neighbors and share their faith, share their relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, uh, we can't just be okay, be content with praising God and worshiping God on Sunday together and ministering to each other. That's what has to change. So flourishing families asking for a real kind of conversion of thinking on the part of pastors and priests, part of our deacons and religious and our laity sitting in the pews and active in their parishes to change their mentality. Like this is not just us isolated here in our parish community, but we're part of something larger, something greater, and we can regroup and cooperate and work together for something, something more. Yeah, you know, one of the things that was um, that motivated me and encouraged me to be to be, to lead this effort was the participation that we did in the city here with uh, the Will Graham event. Uh, even though that didn't produce for us the, the the bountiful harvest we were hoping for, it would. One of the things it did do, though, is it it. It established that Catholics and non-Catholics could work together. We could all swim in the same direction for the gospel. And um, when we did that, we forged bonds and relationships with one another that will probably last and benefit us for decades. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if, if Catholics and Protestants in this diocese of Rapid City, in the city of Rapid City, can do that, it seems reasonable that Catholic parishes ought to be able to do it with one another as well. <laughs> We're talking with Father Tim Hoig, uh, pastor here in the Diocese of Rapid City, and also leading um, the work of the strategic planning, the diocesan, diocesan strategic planning process called Flourishing Families. We'll be back with Father Tim after the break to kind of see what are the, some of the practicalities, the steps moving forward uh, to realize this vision uh, of our bishop. We'll be back on Real Presence Live after this. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. We, we get so turned in on ourselves sometimes yeah. as social scientists that we look at our methods and our, and that's great. You know, and that's wonderful. Many good and great discoveries. But if you've only studied psychology and you haven't studied philosophy and you haven't done theology, you've got to understand that you've got just one part of the human experience. You've only mm-hmm. understood one part of the human experience. You know, great theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar talked about how um, the same thing could happen even in theology, that the theologians can get so much in their head, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get so rational and cognitive about their study of theology. And he has this great line, he said, everyone should be doing theology from their knees. And I've, I've adopted mm. that in what I do. And I look at, okay, I'm going to do psychology from my knees, meaning I'm a psychologist, but I'm a psychologist who's in relationship with God and want to bring other people into that relationship with God or, or strengthen their already existing yeah. relationship with God. God made you for a purpose. He made you to accomplish some great work. What did he make you for? What were you really made to do? Realize your vocation with a degree designed for the Catholic professional. The University of Mary offers online undergraduate and graduate degrees steeped in the Catholic intellectual tradition. Start today in business, nursing, bioethics, education, counseling, applied theology, and more at catholicprofessional.life. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibis, and I am joined by Father Brian Christensen and Father Tim Hoig from the Diocese of Rapid City. We're having a great discussion about the new initiative of Flourishing Families. Now, as you guys were talking prior to the break, I was thinking, I'm a member of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Sturgis, and I normally think of my parish as this, like you were saying, an island. What can I do for my parish? And then I immediately jump to, what can I do for my diocese? You know, supporting the diocese and whatever they're doing. But I don't think much about what can I do for St. Joseph's and Spearfish, or even up in Deadwood or Lead or in our deanery, any of those parishes, are supporting the parishioners, supporting the priests there, supporting their programs, or honestly even getting support from them. So is that kind of what you're... This is the conversion you're talking about, right? The conversion of the way of thinking? Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're definitely looking that, that we, have to, we have to start getting focused on proclaiming the gospel and, not, and less focused on uh, what's good for my individual family and what's good for me, even, even in regard to right. such things as mass times. <laughs> um, uh, when we think about mass times, what, 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 what time is mass going to be? 
people initially start thinking about, well, what's best for my individual family? Not even what's best for the neighbor or our, our parish, right. but what's, what's going to be best for me? I think Saturday night and no, Sunday morning, or, right? right? No, exactly. That comes up all the time. You know, it's like, well, that's not really good for us. Yeah. Okay, but is it the best time for the most number of people? And what about, you know, what about what's best for the priest who's ministering to three or four parishes? Right. How can we all work together as a family, right? A family of parishes so that together, as all children of this one father, if you will, right? that we have the best way of living as a family that's good for you and we make compromises and things that this, is, this will be helpful to all of us, including, no, Father, we're not making it easy for Father. We're just making it so that it's possible for him to give the best amount of time and attention to his children in these various right. parishes. And that's, that's one, of, one of the ideas that we're looking at uh, uh, moving towards, rather than closing parishes, is talking about forming what's called an extinctive union. That sounds not, very. That sounds very sexy too. No, I know, right? Extinctive it's, it's, union. Canon law can be that way sometimes. <laughs> um, um, but it, it's the idea that three parishes would all extinguish and form one parish with three churches, and that would mean that they would they would come together and have one parish council. They'd have one finance council, and all of their resources would be combined together, kind of like the early church. Right. Right? They'd all be, they work together to proclaim the gospel. And instead of thinking about themselves as, right. not that they would lose their, their individuality in their community, they'd still gather for Sunday celebration of the Eucharist, but they would work together for the common good of proclaiming the messages of the gospel in in. In their their whole in that a much larger region than just their parish boundary. Okay, I can see that working, especially when we get further away from the city, from Rapid City, or further out, where the parishes are spread out so far, and there there is that need for a greater sense of community, the wider sense of community, instead of just that little tiny area in which they're used to. I can see that working, but what's that practically look like? Yeah, just pretty much what it practically but, looks like the um, one uh, one each individual parish needs to kind of look at the facts of what we've gathered about their parish and then ask what's their uh, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but they also need to ask serious questions. What are we doing to really gener- generally, what are we doing to promote vocations? What are we doing to promote marriage in our community? I mean, who would have thought we live in a society where you have to promote marriage, but that's the society we live in now. What are we doing to actively promote Christian marriage? And what are we doing to promote strong Catholic families? And that can't be a parish program that happens at the parish b- building. That has to be strong Catholic families reaching out to make friends with other Catholic families and, and the ministry that happens between them. Um and so we just want parishes to start thinking about that. So that when they, instead of thinking about a program that's going to take place at the church to teach about the scriptures, they ask, how many Catholics live on our road? And is it possible that we could get together once a month or once every other week and watch a, watch a, a, a series on Formed, have a meal together, and have a discussion? Uh, and then at the end of the dinner, at the end of the time, 
find out what everybody needs prayer for and make a commitment to pray for one another until the next time we meet. I like it. You know, yeah, could, no, could that really, be done? Yeah, no, really beautiful. I mean, uh, uh, just that, that the faith now is lived out in the home, in the domestic church, and on my block, in my neighborhood, on my rural road, wherever I might be, might be found. We're talking with Father Tim Hoig, uh, leading the charge uh, for the strategic planning process called Flourishing Families here in the Diocese of Rapid City. I want to roll us back a little bit and talk about what your committee has already done. What's the steps that you've taken um, so far to date um, to build up because what we've been talking about so far is kind of the vision forward. What's been done so that we can know the pathway forward? What kind of concrete steps have you already taken? Um, we've been at this for a little over a year and a half. And our first steps were to try and convince our brother priests that these numbers were actually real. <laughs> and that this is really the situation that we're in. And the, the kind of gut feeling that they've had that their numbers are, are shrinking or diminishing is real. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we pretty much on. We pretty much got that done now. We're, most most of our priests are on that on that page and believe that it's a sober reality. It's, that's right. It is. <laughs> that, 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 this is the truth, and that something uh, radical needs to be done about it. Uh, then we asked every pastor to collect as much data about their parish that they could. Um, how many, you know, our diocese has been counting members in the pews every year for a report that goes to the whole USCCB called the Status Onomarum Report, the annual report. And we've, so we've been counting numbers of people in the pews, actual individuals, you know, every man, woman, and child. So we have those kind of statistics, but we asked them to do another count like that post-COVID um, to see what our numbers are. Um, we asked, uh, what are the, what's the state of your property? What's the state of your buildings? We asked them, how many people are on average have funerals? And we tried to compare the difference between funerals to baptisms, you know, to say, is your parish growing or dying? Um, uh, and, and all kinds of different statistics like that. We got all those statistics kind of rounded up and put together now, and each individual parish will have a town hall meeting to kind of present them the facts that we know about their parish. Can you talk about some of the people that are on your committee, some of the work that they've done? I mean, besides just parish information, you have some other information on demographic trends and population changes in western South Dakota as well, by county and, and area as well, don't you? Right. So first, the, the, the committee was formed as a subcommittee to the Presbyterian Council. So uh, it, uh, the, the, priest, it's, the priests are myself, uh, Father Tyler Dennis, uh, Father John Paul Trask, Father Jonathan Dillon, uh, Father Ron Gary, Father Brian Sorensen, and Father Brad Held, who is uh, a Jesuit. And um, the there's two, you know, the three sections of our diocese that really are not a part of the strategic plan, and that's because they they got there already. They're doing their own strategic plan, and that is. Uh, uh, the two res- the southern reserva- reservations, uh, Pine Ridge and Rosebud, that are uh, ministered to by the uh, Jesuits, and then the um, the reservation on Lower Lower Brule Reservation that's taken ministered to by the Sacred Heart Priests. They all they're they're not really a part of the strategic plan. They got their own plan in place. But then we have uh, a, a 
a group of uh, lay professionals who are assisting us as well. Um, um, uh, Dion Ismo, um, uh, Dr. John Usera, who's an expert in uh, statistics and developing strategic plans for cities and, and companies and the like. Um, uh, Joyce Williamson and um, Deacon John Osnes. And um, they're all people who, in their field, work with statistics and numbers and and can help us understand what the numbers mean and help us interpret them into different trends. And so they're the ones that have put together, they put together a report based on what's the dem- what are the demographics of that particular parish county. People coming in, are people going out, what's, what's happening there? Uh, so they put together all these statistics using the United States Census data and other resources other than the information that was provided by the pastor. They put together a report uh, for every single parish in our diocese. Yeah, you know, I received uh, my uh, outline for Flourishing Families about the both the presentation which was for uh, St. Michael's in Hermosa and the presentation for here at the Cathedral Parish that's supposed to take place sometime this summer. Um, it's a PowerPoint presentation that's put together by your committee and a script that describes all of these things with the demographic trends of the local area, um, the, no, the percentage of Catholics that we can expect as, as in certain areas where there's uh, growth, uh, and also just looking at the parish, you know, where have uh, some of those things, baptisms, first communions, confirmations, weddings, funerals, I mean, it's really a beautiful, I mean, not necessarily always positive, but it's, it's, a, it's a full picture of parish life i think uh, that takes into account uh, so many different things um what's what's the what's what happens next now that i've received this as a pastor what's the next steps for us right so uh before we get to that next step you every every parish should have already had one town hall meeting maybe last december okay and what was uh, and hap- what happened at that town that town hall, hall meeting was just to present to introduce the process to do kind of what we're talking about today on the radio just to introduce the process and talk about um, this is what this process is, and this is what it's not. And um, um, kind of educate for the m- many people who came to the town hall meeting at Blessed Sacrament, they were really not aware and educated on how vast our diocese is, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have uh, now about 21,000 Catholics spread over 44,000 square miles and ministered to by 22 active diocesan priests. And so um, it just... Uh, Gives the give the big picture. Yeah. The other thing that uh, we didn't do in our diocese is we didn't hire a company to assist us. Many dioceses across the country are doing the same kind of strategic planning, and there's companies out there that we could have hired, but we we couldn't af- we couldn't afford it anyway. Sure. But we didn't do that, and so our our process is really uh, organic, and we really are looking for the input of the parishioners. It's not really. Uh, process that the priests and the group that I've mentioned are going to develop a plan and impose it on the parish, and then we're going to have some town hall speak-up meetings to, to hear you vent about it, and then we're going to do what we want anyway. That's not it. We're trying to really come up with a plan together, priests and religious, priests and laity, to kind of help us work this out together. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Father Tim Hoig after the break on Real Presence Live. 
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. The Church has had saintly popes, but has also survived sinful ones. Among the darkest periods in history of the papacy was the 9th and 10th centuries. If there is one personification of these dark times, it is a woman named Morosia, who is thought to have been the mistress of Pope Sergius III. Leaving aside the salacious rumors about Morosia, the noteworthy detail that most certainly sets her apart from anyone else is how many popes she was related to. Morosia was grandmother to Popes John XII and Benedict VII. Her great-grandsons were Benedict VIII and John XIX and her great-great-grandson was Benedict IX. Were it not for her illicit involvement in the papacy, this would be one heck of an impressive family tree. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. This is Father Richard Kunst. If you enjoyed this Papal Minute, you'll want to see the Papal Artifacts Collection on display here in Duluth, Minnesota, August 19th through 21st, this summer, 2022. For more information, go to vaticanunveiled.com. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Father Brian Christensen. I'm Karen Capis. And we are visiting here this morning uh, from Rapid City, South Dakota, at the broadcast booth of Our Lady of Perpetual <laughs> Help with Father Tim Hoig, uh, who's a pastor, pastor of Blessed Sacrament Parish here, a judicial vicar, but also uh, the one who's heading up uh, the committee for strategic planning here in our diocese called Flourishing Families. At the break, we were just uh, talking about the process that's gone on already of collecting um, information on every parish, the demographics of the parish, but also the demographic trends uh, in the local areas, the cities, the counties um, around western South Dakota. So is there growth? Is there diminishing population? Is there growing population? What's the percentage of Catholics we can anticipate in those populations as we move forward um, in the decades ahead? Um, and then also the first... Um, kind of town hall meeting or parish hall meetings that took place uh, in the fall and over the winter time as part of the strategic planning process. And uh, Karen, you were mentioning uh, over the break that you participated at St. Francis in Assisi, uh, St. Francis of Assisi in Sturgis at your town hall meeting. Um, 
for the strategic planning process. How, what was that like for you? It was interesting. We had quite a, probably 30 people show up, and they all had their own opinion about how it should be going. There was the, the fear that there were going to be parishes closed down and the normal things we've been talking about. But, you know, some of the people that expressed their, I guess, their discomfort with this program, it was before the title Flourishing Families was really promoted. And I think there was a, a general fear of what was coming. And I think now if people step back and, and go back to another town hall meeting and they hear how it, the progression is working, they'll feel a lot better about how this is going to be implemented in the diocese and how it really is for their benefit. It's for the benefit of the families, for the individuals, for vocations, for the greater church, not just this whole panic about, oh my goodness, what are you taking away from us? Yeah, I know. It's very interesting. I think nobody... Nobody really embraces change, right? No. Because kind of gets settled in our ways. We like what's going on, or at least we've learned to live with what's going on. And what we've been living with, you know, as we've talked about before, is we've lived in, we've been kind of living with decline, and we've right. been managing decline. Um, and this is what needs to change. This is what really needs to change. And so that is a scary proposition. And of course, um, if our human nature is a little uh, resistant to change, uh, Catholics uh, don't even know the word. Change? What's change, change right? Change. That's <laughs> what we drop in the collection. That's what we right. drop in the right. collection. Yeah. No, we want the stuff that crinkles, not jingles. You know, uh, that's the way it works. Uh, but yeah, so, so Father Tim was just visiting with us and sharing with us those first meetings to introduce mm-hmm. us to us. And it is, it has been a little scary or shocking for people like, whoa, what is this about? The numbers. Yeah, the numbers of you know that we're looking at the challenges that uh, in our local area in the faces. But um, I, I, I liken this process kind of to like a, a military campaign, right? right? If we're the church militant, right? We're the church on march, bringing the good news and the gospel into the culture. Um, this is a kind of kind of a moment here in our local church to kind of regroup, get back to the drawing board. Um, a little bit of a retreat, and a retreat is not meaning that we're defeated. Right. It means we're regrouping for a new assault, a new offensive, uh, a new initiative to bring the gospel out. So this is our time to plan again, to draw the troops together, regroup. Let's discuss a best strategy um, moving forward so that we can have a flourishing church, flourishing families. Follow Tim. So uh, those first meetings, did you get any feedback from those first meetings over the fall or the, the winter time? Um. You know, uh, one of the feedback we got from p- pastors is that there were low attendance. And so um, that's one thing that we're hoping as we're going forward, that the parishioners really take this initiative seriously and, and believe us when we tell them that we want their input and that their input is going to be valuable. Now, of the people that did come, we had uh, about 14 kind of principles we wanted to use to, to guide the process. Uh, kind of governing principles, and we asked for their feedback on those governing principles, and those governing principles did change significantly based on their, you know, because we put them together as priests, we presented them, they had uh, some differing concerns than we had, and uh, did change some of how we're understanding those principles that are going to be governing the process going forward. Okay, all right. Some examples of those principles, those values that that were were kind of presented and maybe if you have a, a thought on what changed or what what's the principle that might be used going forward that's that was came up from from the people of god um let's see one of the things was that we really didn't have 
we really didn't have a reference or a quote from Pope Francis mm-hmm. as as the, our current pontiff. We had different quotes from Pope Benedict and from John Paul II, but we didn't really have. And so that's one of the things we did. We looked into how does our current pontiff see this, and that came up. The title of Flourishing Families came from that, and the quote um, of the description of a parish came from Pope Francis. Um, let's see. Uh, another is that uh, um, that we're going to do all that we can to make the the Sunday Mass the central focus, and we said that we were we, as priests we were focused on not making that priest drive too far to get to those masses. And the laity asked us, many people asked us to focus in on how far do the people have to drive to get to mass Mm. so that we don't reduce the number of masses in such a way that somebody who has to drive 20 miles now has to drive 40 miles. Right. So it was was a principle of real, okay, we've got to balance these, these, these concerns the priests have about miles but we have to balance that with the concerns the laity have to have, they have about miles. Sure. Yeah. No. Those are good things. And I mean, I, I think um, as we've been through this, as you said, a lot of people would be surprised that you've been working on this for over a year already. Um, and there's more to go. And there's a lot in consultation. Um, so the next steps we talked uh, before the break about these presentations that now have been not given to the people, but given to parish um, pastors and staff members to kind of review is this you know a good narrative is this the proper accurate depiction of your parish um, and so that's the process we're in right now so kind of describe that for our listeners right so th- the next step begins this coming uh, week on Wednesday when we present make, give the, the the we're going to give the priests uh, an overview of a parish report. Uh, then we're going to ask every pastor over the course of the summer, so uh, June, July, and August, to have a town hall meeting at every parish that they minister to. So if they have three parishes, it would be in each individual one of those parishes. But then when they're done with those three meetings, we're going to ask them to have one meeting with with two representatives from each of those parishes to come together in one meeting and start talking about how are we going to work together now the so if i'm if i'm up at uh karen's parish at saint francis of season sturgis um they're going to host a, a town hall meeting with this presentation in june july or august sometime and then when that's done there's going to be a gathering of say sturgis and newell and spearfish and belfouche uh, and right not quite yet so no, not quite yet. in the summer Let's take St. Francis of Assisi, for example. Then you have a mission of uh, St. Mary's Star of the Sea in Newell, right? Correct. And so there would be two meetings that would need to be held in June, July, and August. Two meetings, a meeting for Sturgis and a meeting for Newell. Then a third meeting that has to take place in the summertime would be for, with two representatives from Spearfish, I mean from Sturgis and two representatives from Newell. And... Uh, all the deacons and religious that you have in that mm-hmm. those two parishes would meet together and say, okay, how are we, how are the two of us going to work together better? 
Uh-huh. Okay, oh, so, right. so your in, parish clusters. Yeah, within the parish clusters already, right. starting to talk okay. about that. Okay. Right. Okay. Then in the fall, let's say starting in October, um, we're going to ask, you know, hopefully every parish in your your uh, region, your deanery does that, gets that done in the summertime, and they select those two representatives. Um, um then we're going to ask the deanery to come together in discussions in six meetings. We're only allowing them six meetings. They, maybe they don't need six meetings. Maybe they only need four. But to come together and with two representatives from every parish in that deanery and all the priests and deacons, and if there's any religious brothers or sisters, they would come together too for that discussion. And they would talk about how they're going to work together to move the gospel forward in the future. And it, um, we're going to be asking them to, you know, right now they have three priests in that region. We might say to them, uh, you're only not, we're only going to be able to give you two. Mm, okay. How are you going to work it out? How are you going to do it? And so you're getting input from the parishioners, not just the priests deciding. Right. So that you have that representation from the other side of the spectrum. Now, the diocese will provide, and this is something our Presbyterian Council has, we're kind of going to start debating in our next June meeting, is we're going to provide every deanery with a default plan and that, that we'll, we'll put together, the priests will put together, which is just, if you can't come up with it, you can't, come to a resolution that you're going to recommend to the bishop, the default plan goes into place. Uh, now, you might get together as as that group of parishes and lay people together, you might get together and debate it and look at it and then look at our default plan and say, we like that plan. But it's just there so that if after the first meeting, all you get done is grousing and complaining about how you don't want to change, then the moderator is going to say, okay, well, we only have five more meetings, and if we can't come to a resolution, this Here's default the plan goes into a place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this, this seems very doable and very, yeah. like you're saying, you're asking for input from the parishioners. You're asking for input from everyone. You're not just imposing this right away on someone. It's a very generous, very um, charity-filled way of doing this. But now, as a parishioner at St. Francis, I'm sitting here wondering, now, as I'm going to this town hall meeting, am I just thinking about my parish in Sturgis, or am I thinking about all of the souls within the boundaries of the Sturgis area? Like, Because if the ultimate goal is to reach out to do the gospel, I can't just be focused on what's good for St. Francis or even what's good for St. Joseph or Mary Star of the Sea. I'm having to think about the greater picture, Right. That's right. You're thinking about how how are the actively engaged Catholics in our region going to work together to spread the gospel in our area? To not just the active Catholics. Yeah, I mean to everyone. To everyone, and maybe maybe the, you do kind of when you're in your discussions, maybe you do kind of say we're going to reach out first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, yeah. like Jesus did. We're going to reach out yeah. to the fallen away Catholics first. Okay. That might be part of your plan. Um, but you also have to ask, how are we going to promote vocations? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, uh, like we have told us to us boys and girls camp, a big vocations kind of push in the summertime. And a parish might be able to say, yeah, well, we've sent 
people to that. Well, part of the statistics that we put together is we can show how many boys you sent and how many girls you sent. So it, it, it blessed the sacrament. It was a little bit shocking because they said, we only sent four boys and two girls, and we're um, you know a parish of 1,600. Right. And so it's like, yeah, we're seriously falling down in regard to our vocations promotion of these two camps, if this is all we mm-hmm. can put forward uh, for vocations. And it's those kind of statistics that we we have available to you to say, what are you really doing? Yeah, you know, and that, that kind of comes back to, you know, uh, the, the practices aren't, uh, or the way forward isn't just saying, um, we have, you're going to have two priests, and, and this is going to, how you're going to do it. But even beyond that is, how are we going to more fundamentally live our faith more engaged as a community? And more engaged in the work of evangelization, which, you know, makes everybody terrified, I think, still. The word evangelization, <laughs> sharing the gospel uh, with others, you know. Or, as uh, one, uh, one uh, priest calls it, you know, no, you know um, sharing our bountiful bread with the hungry, mm, right? Beautiful. You know, like, there's a starving world out there. We've been abundantly fed in, in, with the graces of Christ and the church. How do we share that with others? And, um, you know, developing that evangelical... Because here's the deal. Years ago, you were in Presho. <laughs> right. Right? Pastor of Presho. And they were lamenting um, the decrease of numbers of children in their schools that they were going to maybe lose their school. Maybe right. lose their school. That's right. Um, and, uh, and no, that was in Murdo. Oh, that yeah. was in Murdo. Okay, that is in Murdo. And you stepped up for it and said you had a plan. Five-year plan. I did. I have a plan. I proposed at the at the city council meeting, or maybe it was a school board, board meeting. School board meeting. And uh, my solution was that, that we I have a plan that in it will take really uh, five years maybe six years to get started uh, to actually see the results. But the the plan could be initiated right away. And it will save the school and maybe even save the town too. What's the plan, Father? What's the, the plan? The plan is every family, every mother of childbearing years, every one of them have a child. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I said, you know what? You can start tonight. You can start tonight. It's so very practical, Father. Because, I mean, I think the logic is, is, is clear. Like, we have schools yeah. because we have children. If you don't have children to educate, you don't need them schools. schools. So, so we, have, we have children, then there's a reason to have schools. Schools aren't there to provide entertainment or identity yeah. to our town. They do that. But they're there primarily and fundamentally to educate our kids. So here's here's the thing with, with regard, you, we're our parishes are not just there right, to entertain us, right? Right. Our parishes are outposts of the universal church to bring the gospel to the world, not just to comfort me. It does that. It does comfort me. Right. It brings me joy, brings me support, brings me encouragement. But it's there, right, in the mind of Christ and the mind of His church to transform the world. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, then there's no reason for that. And if we're yeah. not bringing people into that relationship, right. right? If we're not having more children born into the life of Christ, then there's no reason for us to be there. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the stark reality and the, the hard the hard reality, I think. And so that's the transformation of thinking. Like, what are we doing here? Are we managing decline or we are prepared for mission? Preparing ourselves for mission and engaging in mission. 
That's right. So on one hand, it is a field hospital mm-hmm. where people can come and be um, healed and strengthened and restored and forgiven and renewed. And it is the priest's job, no doubt, to to feed the people with solid Catholic teaching, with the truth, and with uh, uh, heavenly liturgy. Uh, um but it's the laity's role then, once they're fed and nourished and renewed and healed and forgiven, to go out and proclaim the gospel in their area. So on one hand, it's a field hospital, that's true. But on the other hand, it's headquarters. Headquarters for head, missionary. Headquarter, missionary headquarters for the gospel in that region. Yeah. It wouldn't it be amazing if every parishioner who sat down in the pews on a Saturday night or Sunday morning, and that's what they thought, I am being fed to go out. Yeah. Wouldn't that transform the entire world? Yeah. Yeah, for think. sure, for sure. You know, uh, you know, I, I think about it, you know, I'm former military, Air Force, and, uh, and you know, the way that we talk about um, joint operations, right? Right. Joint operations, coordinating our operations with, with land, sea, air forces, that um, the Marines, the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, now Space Force, and all sorts of different things. We collaborate together to... To bring you know to bear uh, the forces that we have for victory, right. and again, I think the strategic plan is kind of thinking in the same way. Is like how does you know the parishes in this local area, and then the parishes collectively across Western and South Dakota coordinate jointly, use our resources to the best effective way in order to wage our campaign of of evangelization and bringing the good news, so that we have victory in Christ. Right? Is that kind of similar vision? We have to work together. We can't have our isolated columns laying out on a road for 40 kilometers being picked off. That's, that's right. No, that's no plan. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and part of the little details, like it used to be when if your check that you gave in the collection at one parish got somehow cashed by the bank in a neighboring town, people would get upset about that. That stuff has to go away. Yeah. That stuff has to go away where we stop thinking about what we're getting, what our parish is getting or not getting compared to another parish in 10 miles away. We have to think about, okay, we're gonna, we're all going to work together as Catholics, working together for the common goal of proclaiming the message of the gospel in our area. You know, we often think, we often hear that, you know, um, we're proud uh, to be uh, Americans and, uh, you know, p- to live in this great country, um, but we can't put our citizenship uh, in the United States, above our citizenship in heaven, we're Catholics first. Catholic citizenship first. Um, and and faithful citizenship and patriotism is a virtue, right? Has been written about no in doubt. the church. Yep. Patriotism is a virtue that we promote. Uh, even in the in the scriptures, we hear pray for the emperor. So pray for our government leaders and all that stuff. Um, and I think that sometimes can be true. Like um, we're citizens of the universal church. We're members of the body of Christ. Um, but sometimes my citizenship of my attachment to my town or my school and the rivalry that I have with the town or the city or the school, the high school across 10 miles or seven miles or 20 miles away that I'm more, I'm more adamant about, you know, being this person dedicated to the, Mm -hmm. I don't know, the Patriots or the Wildcats or the Bobcats or the Scotties than I am about, uh, being a member and a brother in Christ to my neighbor here, and so how I'm not going to help that. How can we work together? They're ex. They go to that high school. That's my rivalry since right. I've been a kid. Right. Another thing is that every parish is going to have to change, including the city parishes. We're going to have to look at how we're going to 
tighten up our our game and how we're going to work together too. And so uh, we're not. It's not really primarily about closures, parish closures, but it, it definitely is going to involve change from everyone and uh, a, a spirit of working together for the good of all. Right. Yeah. No, that's really good. We've been talking with Father Tim Hoig here uh, this morning here on Real Presence Live about the Rapid City Diocesan Strategic Planning Process, which is called Flourishing Families, of a real regrouping, a renewing, uh, a gathering of resources and assessments, I think, of the gifts that God has given us and how we can best use those uh, to flourish as a diocesan family as groups of parish families across western south dakota father tim thanks for uh, joining us and uh, we look forward to the upcoming efforts uh, of the presbyteral council your committee which is uh, made up of priests and laity um, and the work and the collaboration with our local parishes and communities so thanks again for your good work well we're going to send it up to therese and fargo to give us a preview of monday's show thank you so on the next real presence live that's monday morning from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Father Randall Kazel is your host coming to you live from St. Michael's Church in Pine Island, Minnesota. Call in with your questions on the Catholic faith during Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. Then Deacon, Mike, Deacon Michael Churchill will join us to share about how he is preparing for ordination. And Jim Kavner from Cross Catholic Outreach will share about how they are delivering delivering food, shelter, and hope to families. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's on Monday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Well, Father, today's every interview I've noticed a trend. We need participation from the laity, from the people, (laughs) whether it's a Eucharistic revival, whether it's the support of the new parish hall here at the cathedral, or whether it's touching all the souls in our area with the flourishing families. We need input. Yeah. No, we need input, involvement, their creative ideas, uh, their support. support uh, their, mm-hmm. And their understanding. Like, if, if I don't patience. understand... Yeah, patience. <laughs> if I don't understand what's going on, I, I can't really engage in that. So if I don't... So learning more about the Eucharistic revival, whether that's in, you know, in Crookston. Right. With, uh, I'm sure they hear a lot about from it up Bishop there. Cousins, yep. Bishop Cousins, or Or any part of our listening area. Something going on in your diocese. And so find out about that. Head, head to your diocesan webpage. Or, of course, the USCCB has a great yep. thing. Eucharistic revival, I think, com or Eucharistic Revival dot um, org whatever um, again look that up it's not that hard to find I was going through it the other day great materials both video and written materials about this need and this uh, exciting uh, movement right. uh, of Eucharistic Revival so yeah getting engaged and getting involved some of some of us are saying I know I can hear it now you're driving around you're listening on the app somewhere you're listening in the office uh, and you're saying I don't have time for more yeah. I don't have time for more. Well, one of the things is, is this is a change of, of, of mentality, right? Um, to think differently. So right. I engage with my family. I engage with, I'm not doing more per se. I'm just doing it differently. I'm doing right. it with, with a mind of the Eucharist. I'm doing it with a mind of collaboration. I'm doing it with a mind of participation in Christ. I'm doing it with a mind of supporting the church and, and vocations and, and all that. With the excitement of the apostles. With the excitement of the apostles. Well, great show, Karen. Great to be with you. Yes. We'll see you uh, the next time we're here on Real Presence Live, broadcasting high above Cathedral Drive in Rapid City, South Dakota at the Our Lady Perpetual Help. 
Cathedral Broadcast booth. Well, thank you everyone for listening today. If you want to catch any of these interviews on the podcast, go to realpresenceradio.com, look for Real Presence Live, and find all these interviews and more under the podcast. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. And we really do appreciate your support here at Real Presence Radio. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.